In this week's episode of the Profitable Trading Podcast, I'm hanging out with a super cool guy, uh, Adrian Lang. Now, Adrian is one of our million-dollar trading clients, and during his time with us, he's more than doubled his company's revenue, he's fixed their cash flow issues, and added some much-needed structure to his business. Tune in as Adrian talks through how he's done it. Welcome to the Profitable Trading Podcast, where we talk about hands-on strategies that you can use in your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business to make more money, get some time back, and make your business less reliant on you. Hope you enjoy, and don't forget to follow. All right, team, welcome. Hey, cool to be hanging out today. Uh, we're gonna have a good time today. Yeah, let's get into it. Anyway, Adrian, welcome, mate. Uh, excited to be hanging out today. Really appreciate appreciate you for taking some time out. Um, to, to share with us about your journey. Mate, maybe just tell us about your business to kick off. So, you know, what, what's involved, uh, what you do, what the team set up is and all that sort of thing, just for yeah. some context. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Nelson Alarms, we're, so we're a security installation company. Um, we've got 20 staff, there's um, eight in the office and 12 out on the road. Um, and yeah, we cover off, you know, putting in alarm systems and cameras and access control and automatic gates and intercom systems, all that sort of stuff. And we monitor alarms and do some um, building compliance type uh, checks and, and uh, maintenance work as well. Awesome. And uh, your client base is, uh, you know, what's the, the mix of the client base? Yeah, so um, a mix of uh, residential, commercial, uh, schools. We cover the whole top of the South Island of New Zealand. So it's a fair, uh, probably not compared to Aussie, but it's a fair old uh, distance between base. And so we've got, we're all just one one branch, uh, head office, and we cover right down the West Coast, down to sort of around back Christchurch. Mate, tell us, um, just to kick off so people know a bit of the background, tell us how you came to take over Nelson Alarms and yeah. what a bit of the backstory and the history is. Yeah, cool. So um, my dad was an, um, an electrician, still was an electrician. Um, so he started out typical sort of, Sparky working for someone and then went out on his own and um, yeah, had got the van and uh, you know got a couple of people working for him and things like that. That was in the late 70s and sort of just doing electrical contracting work. And um, that was uh, pretty much how, how business kicked off. And so from when I was born the whole way through, I just knew you know, dad is a business owner really. And so I was exposed to that from a very early age. Um, it's interesting um, being the son of a of a Sparky in a way because everyone would go, well, he'd take you off, off to jobs and, you know, things like that back in the day. And um, and people would say, oh, you're going to be a Sparky when you grow up, aren't you? And I'm like, I just had this the whole time. I'm like, you're going to be a Sparky. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. But, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, <coughs> that, that sort of background, I wasn't actually really um, wired that way. On the path. <laughs> didn't really sort of uh, see that nicely done, by the way. That was yeah, nicely yeah. done. Yeah, it's in the script. No, um, but yeah, along the way, I did a lot of holiday work and, and stuff like that with him. Um, ended up being a, a trade assistant for a few years there. But um, I was more had a technical slant, and so I did a lot of sort of IT work, working for computer um, support companies and things like that. Trying to work out what I wanted to do after school and things. So I ended up actually going to university. So probably a different sort of slant to a lot of maybe trades, but um, did a, a commerce degree up in Wellington and um, just sort of took some time just to try and work out what I, what I wanted to do. But um, when I was working out there, I was actually working for the government for a, for a few years. And I thought, man, do I want to be doing this? Like, what's the story? Like, mum and dad at that stage were kind of struggling a little bit in their business. And I remember one, probably the catalyst, man, was one one evening having a phone call with mum mom and dad and um, 
just it was probably rock bottom at, for financially for them and things were not going well and I thought far out can I what can I do maybe I could come and help you out you know with some of the stuff I've learned this was you know probably 08 or 07 or something like that and thinking if I came in and, and helped you out on your business surely that's going to help you because things aren't going things aren't going well and so that was kind of a bit of a turning point we my wife and I moved back to Nelson and um yeah, started working in the business just as a, as a business manager, actually. Um, created my own role, and then in the staff meeting, I justified why I should actually be working in, uh, yeah, being the, the boss's son. <laughs> so that's kind of how things kicked off, actually. Awesome. And from, from there, yeah, obviously, uh, we'll probably get into that later on, but that's kind of the exposure to, um, I guess, being on the tools a little bit as a trade assistant, but also having more of that business background. So um, at that stage, you weren't an owner. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you've sort of become an owner and, and, and what's happened there? Yeah. So at that stage, uh, moving back from Wellington and back home, it was really just seen, I saw it as a bit of a job, bit of a, like, oh, we'll see how it goes. Didn't really see uh, at that point what the future might be. But um, yeah, at, that, at that point, we had like a lot, it was a bit of a split. We had a lot of electrical to our business, but we still have the alarms. And so um, over the yeah, the few, few years following, we've uh, become more and more specialised in terms of alarms. And we rebranded um, in 2014 and, and fully cut away from the um, what at that point became a distraction to our business in terms of electrical, because we were a specialist security. Uh, and then we really just doubled down on, on the security side of things. And then at that point, I was like, well, this is really interesting to me because there's a lot of crossovers to my background in, in terms of IT and technology. So it got me kind of excited about, about things because electrical didn't do it for me. So at that point, it's probably like, hey, there's probably something there. And so we um, sort of, as, as we went through, I've become more and more involved in, in running the, in the business. And then uh, it was about 2017, um, we'd had lots of conversations along the way about what, you know, succession with that and things like that. But it was about 2017 where actually um, my wife and I purchased um, half the half of the business, and um, yeah, that was yeah no turning back. It was shortly after that that we um, joined joined the program, Tony. So let's talk about that. So you've been a, a member of of um, of PT for a while, and also been in boardroom. Incidentally, Adrian has been awarded a black belt uh, as well along the way. So um, uh, yeah. good work there, man. Um, you got it there. Right, yeah, right place, mate. That's yeah, right, legend. Yeah. Nice. So for the, those of you who uh, just joined us recently, a black belt is uh, basically a million dollar profit award. We have some awards we give out at our events. So uh, if you haven't been before, you'll you'll catch up with that in November, which is which is a lot of fun. Uh, so you, yeah, let's recap for a minute. What was life like before you joined the million dollar trading program? Uh, it was very frustrating. Um, my dad is was is very very practical guy, um, but he never thought strategy or big picture. Um, I, from my background and, and more of the, the business side of things, that um, I was often think, trying to think in that space and then trying to catch up with with him at that point before before I was an owner, but also when I came on as an owner and him as my business partner and dad, it was kind of a different scenario. I was like, hey, let's catch up and talk about big picture stuff, and he was like, what? Let's go do some stuff. And so that, to me, that was quite a tension there. Um, financial results were real hit and miss. Um, it, was a, it was a good business, obviously, because for us to, to want to buy into it, but it wasn't uh, consistent. 
Uh, we didn't know how to track our numbers. Cash flow was a huge problem. Uh, we lived in, in overdraft. Um, we had a 50K overdraft that we relied on heavily month to month. If it wasn't used every month, that was certainly every second month. Some months would need, I'd need to be finding the bank for an extension on, of that to extend it further to you know double that or something like that um, just to be able to pay the wages and suppliers. So it was scary times. It was, it was crazy. What made you decide to change things when you did? Yeah, well, like I kind of alluded to, I mean, I'd been wanting to operate in that strategy and business improvement space for a long time, um, but it wasn't my business. And so while I could do things to help improve and put, put um, steps in place and maybe processes and systems to a point as much as I knew from my experience, um, I didn't know the direction that that dad wanted, didn't really know because I was so new in, in ownership, I didn't really know what I wanted to get out of it. We had, we had talked about having like an external board or someone else outside the business to actually kind of help us out and, and things. So when I saw the, the program, I was like, man, this maybe could really tick that box. Um, but the final straw for me was, um, I remember sitting with our accountant um, at the end of the financial year, sort of stuff, but we, for them, it would have been eight or 10 months after balance date. So it was ages after. And you're looking back and... Um, looking at the results that were like incrementally better in terms of sales revenue from the previous year. And the guy going, oh, well done, man. You guys are doing a great job. And um, and I was like, what? Like, is that is that good? Like, I was felt real confused about it because he was giving me a pat on the back saying, oh, okay, well, sure, I'm maintaining things, but there's no growth. I'd come on with a huge amount of debt. I had a real fire in my belly. I needed to, something to challenge me. Take, and take things to the next level. I knew deep down that there was so much potential there, but I was just given the old, oh, good on you, mate. You know, give it another, give it another year. You know, and then oh, like and then pat on the head. Oh, where you go? Yeah, and then um, and then uh, maybe next time around, he was like, oh, well, we put these steps in place, but you repay some from some debt and stuff like that. But oh, it was never really going to happen. And I'm like, this was from the accountant. I was just blown away. I was just like, this. This is not this is not good. So it really got me fired up, and I was like, "This something's got to change." So let let's um shoot forward a bit. Um, what is you know what does your business look like now? Yeah, yeah. So I had to um sort of I did a little bit of uh, homework on this phone. And I was like, "What was it like when we first joined, and how's it sort of tracking now?" So revenue when we joined the program was sitting at about one hundred and ninety grand a month. Um, wasn't tracking monthly uh, profit and loss. Had a small, uh, probably team at half the size. Um, profitability was okay, um, but the structure was sort of all over the show. Um, but I guess you know now um, we're sort of in that sort of three hundred and fifty to four hundred grand a month. Um, Twenty um, staff um, profitabilities, yeah, is is going well. And we're sort of aiming for that uh, mid forty to five forty GP. Yeah, you're pretty good at GP. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment. So things have changed quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. What have these results meant for you and your, you know, for you and your family? Yeah, well, I think the type of person I am, I'm quite big on structure, and so implementing a proper structure has been really huge. And I think that's something that the program's been really good with um, helping to know where to start because I kind of knew I needed something there, but I didn't really know what, what it looked like. So you're yeah, having a proper structure, um, 
we didn't have clearly defined job descriptions for anyone in the that worked for us really in the office. There was a lot of crossover. So you'd find that there was no one really owning a particular part. Um, but I guess the results wise, cash flow is no longer um, a massive stress that it used to be. That's been, yeah, probably looking back, that was probably um, a massive, the biggest change probably. We can pay our bills and wages. Um, we still have a good level of working capital left over. Haven't had an overdraft in years. Um, we got, That's got amazing, on. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the bank was kind of surprised. I'm like, no, I don't want to get rid of it. You know, they're like, oh, are you sure you don't just want to hang out? No, nah, get rid of it. <laughs> um, go away on plenty of holidays during the year and um, know that the team's got it 100% under control. Cool. Let's, let's, so that's um, some great stuff, some great results. <clears throat> I'd love to just dig down into the, um, like we've sort of talked about what's happened and, and how it's changed. Uh, but what would be amazing is to talk about you know why it's changed what you've done and what's really helped i think that would be what have been the key milestones of growth along the way or the key things that you've done or changed you know they might be hiring people or putting in the systems around your financials or or whatever it is what what are some of the key milestones that you think have made the difference here i had to sort of cast my mind back a little bit but i remember um getting the numbers right it was probably the most important thing you could ever possibly do. Because I remember, like, you, you hear this thing, like, oh, you've got to know your numbers. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I need to know my numbers. But our profit and loss was such a shambles. I don't know if you remember how much, how, yep. how bad it was. <laughs> it was such a mess. It literally didn't make sense. So, like, we did, uh, KPIs were quite different back then, but when I have to do it, I'd bring things along and you'd be like, what on earth are you, what have you written down? I'm like, it literally didn't make sense month to month. But then the accountant would do these weird things at the end and wash it all up and it would come out to what kind of made sense. But month to month, it did not make sense. I knew that I needed to do that and we wanted to do a monthly reporting, but we just literally couldn't because everything was just all over the show. So by the, we spent quite a bit of time with the accountant, with the bookkeepers, with the software people to clean up um, that and spend a lot of time doing that. So now I'm confident that I know the numbers are right. So I think that's huge. Um, now that the work in progress is accurate because, yeah, that's another big one. Um, otherwise, it can just be in this big, who knows, you know, what, what bucket it's in. Um, yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence. Knowing my numbers is huge. Um, I guess another milestone would be hiring an estimator. That's a more recent sort of a change. Adrian, we might just pause there for a minute because I think this is, is massive. Um, for, for all of us listening, um, getting the, the numbers uh, to a stage where you can trust that they're giving you good information is just so fundamental. So if you're you know, still launching or you're early on the program um, and you want to get on with a whole bunch of stuff, just remember that is so important because until we get that right, uh, any other changes you make are really difficult to see the impact. Uh, it's like you know playing a game of football or or whatever it is. Um, if you don't know the score, you don't know whether you're winning. If you just know your score and not the other team's score, you still don't know whether you're winning. So it it is uh, just so so important. Mm. Uh, let's talk the estimator. Yeah, cool. So um, this was a real. I think we're going to sort of talk about minds, mindsets a bit later on, but this was. Um, another big milestone for for us and for me um it probably goes back to 
um, what changes have actually freed up my time and made things more enjoyable is actually having the estimator in place because up until then it was like I was involved in all the quoting and it, I was ultimately responsible for sending them out and then how on earth can I do all these other business improvements and, and try to run the team if I'm responsible for doing this particular aspect which was in itself pretty much a full-time role. So I know that that was um, a big one to get across um, certainly with people in boardroom and when we'd mastermind it and things and like what on earth what's holding up mate just just get it done um but uh yeah by having that in there it's um it's it's been a big game changer so we'll, we'll touch on that bit later um meeting rhythms is another probably a key one so this will be the, probably the third one um if those of you that were on uh phil's killer meetings webinar if you have if you weren't on there check it out on the site it was uh, it's a bit, been a more recent change that we've made to um, that's made a really, really huge difference. Um, we used to have really ad hoc meetings, but I think this thing that you hear PT talking about meeting rhythms is actually quite interesting because you have to find the right um, and they've got a, a kind of a structure that works, but you have to just bring them in. And what we found was we were doing meetings that weren't regular enough or they were the wrong sorts of meetings and things like that. So we've, um, yeah, we're working through that and we've seen that that's making a huge difference to us. Just put your hand up if you find, you know, one, you wonder if your meetings are a bit of a waste of time sometimes. The thing about meetings, if you have them structured and they have a real clear purpose, then they, they are very proactive ways to communicate. And so you know that you've got a spot when you can talk about things Versus if you don't have them, all communication is reactive. So you're always chasing people to give information and uh, it becomes really messy. So if you want to grow a business, uh, and Adrian's got, you know, uh, a reasonably substantial business now, uh, those meeting rhythms become a, like a backbone or a skeleton of making the whole thing hang together. So, um, yeah, super, super good, mate. Sorry, yeah. carry on before I jumped in. Cool, no, all good. The last, probably the last bit. Still working on the default diary, but I think, um, and that's something that, yeah, that everybody on the, is probably the, the very first thing you're supposed to sort out, right? And yep. um, I've, I've pretty much got it nailed, but it's just like, it's a work in progress. You always have to revisit that. But the one thing that Tony and the coaches will always say is like, you can put block and book, right? And so that's something that I've always been from for years of just block and book, it, otherwise it doesn't happen. So that's, it's absolutely huge. So you block out everything in your in your diary, you prioritize it so that the thing that you know is going to make the difference actually happens rather than all these other all this other rubbish coming in and taking focus away. So that's something that's, that's huge. Massive. Yeah, you get caught, get caught in the whirlwind, right? Like there's always phones ringing, there's jobs going south, there's people who are complaining about stuff or team members who do something silly or whatever. That's always there, right? Yeah. Um, and even if it's even if you're just blocking out four hours a week to invest in your future and you let everything else be a mess for a start, that'll make a huge difference. Yeah, um, just start so and, and start, yep. start getting yep. into it. Yep, yep. Um, this is great, man. I love it. So good. Um, Cam, should we take a couple of questions, mate? Yeah, man, 100%. Uh, Ryan's asked, do you have a fluctuating profit result still or are you finding more consistency now? Yeah, generally a lot a lot more consistent. Yeah. How was your free time or quality of life before starting PT versus now? Whether or not it's ours, because I mean we've always had a bit of a an administrative team um to help. So it hasn't always probably it hasn't always just been me. I've had um had a bit of a team behind me. So we've always been quite um 
not necessarily the huge hours that maybe some of you guys are having to do everything. So I always have invoicing people and, and things like that. But I think it's the mental headspace because um, now I don't have to always be worrying about that other stuff that's sorted because you're at home, sure, you're not at work or in the office, but you've got all this worry that you can't, you're not physically doing anything about it. It's just a waste of, so you're not enjoying yourself when you were, when you were at home with your family. Yeah, it's massive. It's a massive one. Um, Lisa just asked, what's your average net profit margin? Let's talk margin. Margin. Uh, somewhere between like 16 and 20%. Um, I really I like know. this question from uh, from Larissa. Uh, the tech to admin ratio. How did you find that that nice or the right balance? Yeah, when I was writing that down, I was like, "Well, it actually, probably looks um, a little bit heavy in the office." But what but I guess but we're a little bit different in terms of some of the stuff that we do. Some of the office people are actually generating income in terms of the sort of work that we do. So we've got some recurring things and some monitoring and some other checks that. Um, yeah, they're actually sort of putting their time to. Um, but how do we find there's a there's a cool is uh there's a calculation or something that you guys have got, Tony, that you can work out. I'm sure we've done boot camps. Yeah, it's in a business maturity plan. Yeah. yeah. And so you can kind of do that, that bit of a ratio just to check yourself. Yeah. Um, but when you get to a certain point, you just know you have to have certain key um key roles in place. And would it be fair to say, Adrian, that for a period of time you were struggling in the office because you didn't have enough support yeah. there? Yeah, and it's interesting because people will say, oh, you've got too many office staff. But if we had one or two less, as we know, it didn't work. And so you have to know what sort of works for your for your business um, and then it enables you to, and we'll talk about this later as well, I guess that um, constraint to growth yeah, because if you don't have the the enough admin, then you're all over the shop in terms of you can throw more guys there, but it's just chaos. Let's talk about capacity, how it relates to growth, uh, and the whole mindset around that. From my perspective, like we'd always had like an office manager just book book things and do you know general admin um, for a long, long time. We've already we've had an ops manager uh and then always had an accounts person so we had that basis level there um as we grew we were finding that the office manager was just getting consumed with just shooting the guys the more people you put on the more jobs like we've got hundreds of jobs per month just the trouble that we do um across all these people so it was just like that's actually a full-time role and so we had to it took us a long time to realize that, well, hang on, why is that person not doing all this other stuff that they've asked them to do? It's on your job description. Just like, but um, just do it. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> so it's like, it took us a while to actually rescope it and go, oh, actually, um, we actually need a full time scheduler, you know? And so we've had that in place for a number of years now. And then we've got a backup sort of support person that assists, assists that person. And what else? Yeah, like yeah, we've talked about the estimator, um, you know, having that that key sort of function in there. Because without that, you're not pricing enough work to come in. You you just can't grow. Like you're just treading water. Yeah, without an ops manager, who's running the guys? You know, it's you know, there's all these kind of fundamental things that you get to past a certain point. You're going to probably stay more or less there until you get the key structure right. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. And so. 
I guess on that um, thing that I guess because I'm wired in that sort of way, I like that structure. The organizational chart is really cool. Um, and that's an exercise that we've done at boot camps in the past and things like that. So you, but I always thought it was all about put your current structure down and it's like you put all your names in there and stuff. And it was very sort of, it was just what it was, but it wasn't until we started realizing put blanks in there about where you want to be in the future. It gets, it's really exciting. And so we've been doing that for the last couple of years and um, going, and then more recently just going, okay, we're actually going to put, we'll talk about this again as well as like another part of our business that we're going to get into. There's a whole bunch of blank spaces. And I talked to someone, the other, um, one of the guys in the office the other day, I'm like, we actually need to add some more blanks, you know? So it's just constantly thinking of, of that. This, this is a massive issue with um, improving both your business size, revenue and profit, but your quality of life. Um, I reckon um, you talked about your uh, office manager not doing stuff was in, in their JD. Uh, I would turn that around and, and if you're listening, thinking about this, you know, what stuff in your JD are you just not getting to? Or what stuff should be in your JD that's not actually getting done? And maybe you beat yourself up about it or you're like, oh, well, I just should do some extra hours or I need to get more organized. But actually the fundamental problem is there ain't enough time. You need some more help. It's actually a capacity problem. And if you think about a bucket of water, if that's your business, and if it's full of water, you know, if you're maxed out, you pour more water on it, all that happens is that flows over the side and you've got a job of cleaning up. And so if you want a you know, bigger result, a bigger business, you've got to have a bigger bucket, which is basically more team and systems. That's important. So Adrian, what I'd love to do is what the challenge with this, right, is how do you get over the mindset of, hey, that's going to cost me money. I have to you know, do stuff before I'm perhaps going to reap the rewards. How have you dealt with that? Because I've had to push you on that before. I think that's probably the case with anyone that's thinking about a um, admin type hire. Because if you're just considering it from, oh, it's just another overhead. But then, yeah, probably like what you've just touched on is if you consider it as you're, you're increasing your capacity by putting that in place rather than just this being another bottom line cost. So you can increase the top line by having these people in place. So for instance, with an estimator, they are actually going to be generating more work to come in and um, get pricing for the margins and all that sort of stuff because you've got the system there, hit this GP. Um, and what I've heard from a lot of people putting estimators in, and I think I've found the same, is if you tell people or tell the estimator, this is the GP I want to hit on, on jobs for this type of work, they'll do that. Whereas if you're pricing yourself, you'll uh, discount the crap out of it and wonder why things aren't so good. You'll find a reason for talking yourself down. Uh, that's cool. Uh, cool. So you've made some um, some really big gains in revenue and profitability in the last six to eight months. So can you talk sort of through the results and, and what you thought you know led to those changes? Cool. So I um, went and uh, worked out some numbers in terms of what this looked like. So in the past year, we've um, we have had some massive growth. We've had sales have grown by twenty two percent. So from two point nine to three point six mil turnover, um, which is uh, is is the biggest ever for us. So it's it's exciting. Um, the first quarter of uh, this financial year, we've got further growth, and on top of that, is another seventeen percent. So we're on track for over four mil um, run rate. Um, so yeah, margins have been pretty consistent in the mid to late forty percent GP. 
Um, so overall, I guess, you know, so what's led to that? I think overall sharing more, and this has been a big thing for me because uh, talking to your staff about money, it's really awkward. It's like, what are they going to think about me? They think that I'm like loaded as it is and don't understand the cost of anything. I've had conversations with guys in the past. It's like, oh, so you have to pay like insurance and stuff and like, it's like, what the, like, <laughs> so the, the, you have to realize that guys, most of the tradies won't understand anything about business. They won't know, they'll just think, well, you're charging me out at 80 bucks an hour and you're paying me like 30, like there's a big gap there, mate, you know, you're just creaming it. So um, I think sharing that, sharing information about with the team around financials is a really tough one to get your head around. but. Once you do, and I've started to do that a lot more, this, I think that's probably the key, which is is quite tricky. I've had conversations with others in the in boardroom and and uh, boot camps and stuff like that around this. And it's I think everyone has that same struggle initially. But as soon as you start sharing openly around it, sensibly, not not say, oh, there's how much I'm taking home, whatever, then people are sharing the sales wins around the office and We've got the bell going with the estimators ringing there. Everyone's like, yeah, we got that job, sweet. And like, oh, yeah, we'll come in at this. Guys are under hours. Before that, it was like, oh, well, I've allowed this much hours. I'm going to take that much hours. And, you know, there's no, if I, if I do it in half the time, then the boss is winning and things like that. So, but so what used to be, another thing is because we're sort of talking about that, what used to be a big job to us, say in terms of like a, I don't know, for us, maybe a hundred grand job or something like that used to be like once a year, but now it's like we do one of them a quarter and it's just like, it's just self-perpetuating in a way because we're sort of talking about it more and we talk about GP percentages openly. Everyone knows what the expectation is. And then uh, another thing I had in here was, um, which has been probably another key learning or reflection really is like who's, speaking into the direction of the business um staff can be a real handbrake if you let them because they'll just be like oh we're too busy as it is we haven't enough guys and so I'll be like okay we'll, we'll go hire something but oh no it's not the right time because we're too busy we can't hire them and we can't train them right now but i think as business owners we have to take leadership in the area and lead the team um and being very intentional with that because um i think you know, we have some other people in our businesses which can probably push back, like maybe an ops manager or a office manager or something like that, and they can be quite strong, you know, in, in the way that they do it. But getting them on board and and talking to them to say, no, guys, this is what we're doing, and they'll respect that and they'll jump jump on board. So that's uh, there's so much gold in there. Um, one thing I want to just tease out a little bit, which is amazing, uh, is you talked about the fact that now you're you're keeping score and you're celebrating wins. And and you know making that public with the numbers and the bell and and the um, the um, you know margins etc. And this is a really important distinction here. Often with team, and this is kind of research based stuff, is people think that you know if you make the team happy, they'll be productive. And there's a little bit of evidence to support that, but there's a way more evidence to support if you make the team a winning team, they're way more happier and way more engaged. And so it's the Having a score and helping them win both individually and as a team, as a as a company, is is what really makes people love their work 
and really strive to do even better. And that's a really important distinction. One thing I just wanted to touch on is, um, you know, if, if, if someone's listening who's stuck at a certain level of revenue or team size and maybe is up and down a little bit and sort of bumping up against a glass ceiling, if you like, uh, what do you think, and they, and they really want to grow, what do you think is uh, the most important things for them to to focus on in your experience? Yeah, if, if you're stuck at that certain level of revenue, I think it really is a, a mind mindset thing because you're probably the one that's that's holding yourself back because like, <laughs> really, because uh, hey, it's like, why is why is um, the next tier of wherever your business is um, is at not possible, you know? If you say it's not possible, it's not going to be possible. And if you're saying that openly, your team's feeling that, then everyone's in the same boat. Whereas if you're kind of like, you come along, you know, you're sitting in on this webinar or if you go along to boot camp and you're like, get inspired, you know, then you'd be like get, trying to get that back to the team. And so maybe um, what's happening with the with pit crews and things and getting up, getting your team on board with it so that everyone's on the same page um, could be helpful. Yeah, hundred percent. I think sometimes if you if it's just one guy like oh Adrian's been away, he's all revved up again, and just what, give him a couple of weeks and he'll settle down. You know, <laughs> it, it does definitely does start with the with you as the leader. Yep. But I think um, get bringing the team along as well if you can. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think that's that's amazing. Um, how has um, you know the involvement and the the work we've done together, um, both in Million Dollar Trading and Boardroom? How has that helped you? I guess play a bigger game, and and for people who are in the in the membership, what would you suggest to them to get the most juice out of what's on offer here? I guess that's a big question, DFJ. Probably initially, don't be overwhelmed with having to. I think the great thing that you guys will keep refining the program, and um, is it the the roadmap that you've got there? With like, if you're at this point, this is the stuff you need to know. That is great, and that's something that I just need to keep looking back on because you can chase the shiny objects, you can listen to some, I mean, there's always someone doing something bigger and better than you are. So don't think, oh, I need to be like him or whatever. It's like, if your revenue is at this level as per your roadmap, focus on those things. And it's a structured thing. These guys have got the research in there to prove if you nail these things, build on it. Because there's no sense in um, racing ahead and and trying to do this thing that, you know, is way beyond where you're at. So, um, but yeah, yeah, and there's always, I guess, the reason, one of the reasons I've been involved in the program so long is I, initially I thought, oh, okay, once I learn a certain amount of stuff, that'll be me. Like, I'll know it all. <laughs> but it's like education and, and things like that is a continual thing, right? And there's always stuff that you can learn because you might know something, but it's not until you implement it as well that it actually becomes. Bingo. That's, that's it, yeah. Knowledge is nothing if it's not implemented. Mm. Yeah, and then you—that's where you work out the difficult little bits, the little nuances and stuff. Um, and you can only implement so much. I mean, we're all busy, and you know, and that's where it comes to, like you say, if you at the start you said they'll block out four hours in the week. If you implement that and make it, you know, you actually add. But then, if you've got a team, then you can go right. I want you to go implement that and that, and then you can sort of. Yeah, it does actually get easier in a way the bigger your team is because you can actually get more people implementing stuff. Yeah, um, in, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I found actually quite recently is like you give them a bit more autonomy, 
And then you're like, oh, they actually, because I used to think it was all about me doing the systems and things because I was the systems guy. But if you're like, hey, you actually do the systems around your role and then they come back and like, oh, yeah, I've done this. I'm like, hey, that's cool. I didn't have to do that. Took me a little while to, <laughs> but it's it's really cool when you um, see those ones there. Well, that's the key thing, isn't it? The job of a business owner is to build a business, not necessarily to do the business. And it's our team's job to grow the business and to service the clients. And even if you've got a smaller operation, I know some some of you have, you've got maybe three or four people or, or, or whatever, um, same sort of principle applies. Or maybe you get a little bit of outside help to do you know little implementations um, and, and it builds on that, which is, which is um, super juicy, mate. Love that. Let's take a couple of questions, Cam. Uh, what, what did you do to work on your own capacity? So that's, you know, you personally to make sure that you're growing with the business. And, you know, what are you doing to continue to work on yourself? I think um, hanging around with people that think bigger than you. And that's where the group is really cool. Because if you if you think about removing yourself from... If you, if you weren't on this call or if you weren't in, along to boot camp or whatever... Who's going to be challenging you? Like going back to the old accountant thing that I said at the start, he that old mate wasn't saying anything that was pushing me, you know. So get around people that actually are going to um, going to push you. And like we've got you know some small groups that we're involved with, with uh, boardroom, and it's like these guys are really pushing it and going, okay, cool, you're doing well, but you know, and really challenging you, and so. You might find guys within um, the PT program that can do the similar thing for you and, and the the chat and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think, you know, definitely as much as you can, just getting on these sort of calls, listening to audio books, pushing all that stuff through is um, capacity, definitely. Um, but also looking after yourself, um, your, your physical because if you're if you're running things and huge hours, not enough sleep, all those basics can be pushed to the side. You're actually going to be running on the smell of a lily rag and um, burn the candle at both ends, sort of sort of stuff. Is uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty important and something that you can easily neglect. Day, eh, I think exercise and all that stuff that you know. But again, if you're not implementing, start with something like get to bed on time. Do something that makes you feel good. Go for a go for a run or a walk or something. Get outside and do some something physical. I find that if I um, usually if I a few times a week start the day with you know I've found running this 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 year, but if it's mountain bike ride on the weekend or something like that, you feel so much better. Eh? So nice. starting the day with something that just gets you gets you going, um, it just helps mentally. Yeah, that's huge. Maybe another another question, Cam. Yeah, so Cody's asked, um, obviously, you talked about your your stage where you were relying on the overdraft. Um, he's asked, did you grow while struggling with cash flow? And then once you grew, did it ease up on the cash flow? Maybe just have a chat about you know your journey through growing while you had those cash flow problems and what you did to manage it. That'll be mm. cool. That was a result of really not tracking your numbers very well. Um so I would say I wasn't growing in that time at all because you're treading water. Like, how can you grow if you're worried about you know pay people? You're not you're not going to be hiring more people, you know. So I think it wasn't really until we sorted those numbers out 
um, we probably plateaued for a wee while, I would, I would say, during during those times. You did a lot around, actually. You, you got the numbers right. You made sure you got paid on time. Uh, you just tightened everything up, pretty much, mm. um, which 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 fixed that uh, fixed that issue. Yep. Um, let's talk about the mindset changes that you've had to make, you know, in yourself to make the business more successful. Yeah, just backing yourself, having confidence in your decisions, giving yeah. So mindset, I jot it down here, like giving your staff autonomy in their roles and bringing accountability so that they step up. Seeing, I've seen great stuff there, and uh, for too long I wasn't great at delegating. Um, I just get bogged down in this operational stuff because um, I probably didn't see myself as a CEO. So I think that's probably the Let's key talk thing. Talk about that. How you saw yourself, and I know we'd had lots of conversations around this, Tony, in terms of how I saw myself. Actually, a lot of conversations around this. So um, I probably saw my role as um, just supporting everyone else to make sure that they were well supported in what they needed to do. I think that that's a really hard one to get your head around until you see yourself as that, as a business owner, as a, as a CEO. You know, I don't call myself the CEO, but it's, you are the CEO of your of your company, and um, given that direction and things like that. Now, getting a bit more of a handle on it. Um, not feeling bad about working on the stuff that I and everyone else needs to be working on, like strategy and business improvement. So that's a weird one. Like, as the CEO, you need to be working on that stuff, but you feel bad because everyone else is working on the operational. Why aren't I doing that? And, you know, they're all stressed out and, you know, trying to do their their stuff. Um but like, no, this is this is actually my in my job description to be operating at this level. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So it's um, is that a tie up between sort of hands on, busy work, and you feel like people are judging you if you're actually sitting in your office with your feet up thinking about stuff? But they aren't though. <laughs> I just felt they were. But yeah, but you felt they were. Yeah. Who else has had that experience where you've carved out some time to maybe work on your business or? Do a bit of planning or thinking or a bit of downtime, but you feel kind of guilty about maybe how other people are judging you or you should be doing something else. I mean, just give me a hands up if you've ever felt like that. Yeah, a lot of lot of people. This is a big thing. Have you found that tendency at all now that you have created a bit more space in your role to sort of slip back into that at times? Definitely. But I think it's um, being honest with this with your guys, with your with your team, and just going, hey, like if they understand and see the benefit that that's coming from everyone sticking to their lane and they actually get a, a, an understanding of that rather than it just being it's too easy just to have things unspoken and just assume that people understand what's going on and so if everyone like we've yeah been super intentional with a specific meeting that we have every monday now and it's like everyone's bringing a certain thing to the table and reporting on you know where things are at and so it's very clear that I'm not bringing that sort of type of information because I'm dealing with this other stuff. And so it's this, actually just, this is this is absolute gold, and um, I'm not sure if you realise how gold this is. Guess I want to know what was happening with that meeting before you got that meeting right. <laughs> Let's talk about that first. Okay. So this is talking about the that meeting rhythm that we touched on earlier. And, and what is this um, particular meeting? It's called a tactical meeting. So some people call it like a deliverables meeting, but it's basically the leadership team, but that's the scheduler, uh, operations manager, 
estimator and my accounts person and myself all sit together and go, right, where are we at? What was happening before that was we would have these ad hoc meetings and I would have, have two catch-ups a month with the accounts lady and be like, okay, how are things going? And then shit, we haven't invoiced enough and cash flows looking crap. You know, so it was very reactional. Um, and the way that everyone else fed into that, it was very siloed, if that makes sense. It was like everyone was doing their own thing and hoping that it all spat out the other end and it was all good. And so we were like, and then we tried some different um, frequencies of it. People were like, oh, I don't want to go to another meeting. So I was like, no, I knew that it had to be weekly based on talking to some other guys in the group. And I was like, a weekly meeting is not going to fly. People are not going to want to have a one every single week. But then I sold it to them and said, this is actually going to help everybody's roles. Like if you come to this meeting, this is going to help your job. And then now they love it because it's like they can turn up and say, right, the very key things that they say, this is where things are at, boom, boom, boom. So now we know, is there enough work coming in? The scheduler talks about what's on the go, what's in the pipeline. Estimator talks about what he's pricing, what's to come. So that's picks up and, oh, have we got enough work coming or are we going to run out of stuff next month or whatever? Ops manager talks about how um, the back costing is going. Happy days, Tony, back costing. Um, and labor utilization are the guys like sitting around not charging their, their time. Um, and so there's some key, key things there. And then the uh, accounts lady says, right, this is how much I've, I've billed. And this is what I was talking about with sharing that information is like, she's like, right, I've billed um, 100 grand so far this month. And it's like, okay, we've got some work to do here. Like, what? And then everyone says, right, well, I've got to fill my, my sheet out and get, finish some tasks off, get some work notes sorted or finish those parts on the job in their respective roles to be able to feed it through so that she can bill it out. And so now, and then we have the every week so we can see how we're tracking so that we know whether we hit our target. So having a target, oh my gosh, we never had a target. We didn't like, well, what will be, will be, you know? Targets are amazing. So there's even something else here I want to unpack. So before you've set up this meeting as it is now, who would you say was responsible for all of those results? They kind of sat with you, didn't they? Yeah. Okay, so now each of those uh, people actually have to bring those results to the meeting, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And who's responsible for them now? Them. Them. Yeah. Which is a massive shift. And, and this has only been a recent revelation, as you know, we were talking about this, um, having that, them being responsible, but it's being a shared um, or being accountable for it, yeah. but a shared responsibility. And, and no matter how big or small your business is, um it's about making your team members responsible for the outcomes that they are responsible for rather than you know having half of it on your shoulder and half of it on their shoulder which actually means it's all on your shoulders right because yeah. if you're responsible for the decisions uh then it's on your shoulders at the end of the day and they kick it back to you uh so that you know applies to your team your your tradespeople, your techs or if you've got office people or estimators ops managers for people whatever it is let the weight of the responsibility fall on their shoulders. Otherwise, your life is not fun. You're responsible for everything. Tony, got one from uh, Rob. So Rob Rob does some security and electrical as well, Adrian. Uh, he said, I see my security as niche and uh, see electrical as non-niche or hard to niche. What made you dump the electrical and pursue security only? Where we landed with it, it was like the type of work we were doing was just 
well, anyone, remember the yellow pages or Google, you know, like you'd be like, well, there's about five pages of Sparkies in there. And unless you've found something that if you just want to put a PowerPoint in, well, any of those guys can do that. So the guy might ring around and just get price price checks and whoever's the cheapest, you know. But I think finding a niche, becoming a specialist, go-to company in your field, it's harder for people to price check you if you're going to do the exact same thing as everyone else. Um, the value add, you're finding your value add, you can integrate multiple things, do something a little bit different. And what can you do hands down better than everyone else? Like for us, we've got the most techs in the in the region. We always answer the phone. So we've got a good admin support thing there. We can deliver on our projects. We've got a professional image. People want to deal with us over our competitors. So I mean, I think that's um yeah, that's why that's, we've that's really. amazing. And one of the questions that we haven't talked about today um is you know, you you've you have really strong gross margins, often hitting 50%. Uh, and that's not an accident. And the biggest contributor is the fact that you are niched. Yep. Uh, because if you think about someone who wants a whole security system and controls and stuff put in a, a big building or a school or whatever it is, and they look at you versus XYZ Electrical who can do that on the side, well, not on the side, but they kind of do it like it's not like comparing apples and apples. Love how well you can articulate it as well it means you can you can market really well for it and find team members who are going to be great for it too, right? Yeah. So yeah. bang on. Great stuff, man. Yeah. Uh Ryoko's asked, how much impact did it make hiring your estimator in your business? Massive. Yeah. It um everyone was telling me that it was going to be a big, a big thing, but I was really caught up on it being another um expense. If you're at that point where you're finding that you've got too much to price. Like at the moment, we're even thinking about the future box. We've got a, a junior estimator box there. And we're that's the mindset at the moment. We're like, oh, it's a little bit risky, but we've got that much to price. We probably should be going that way. So that's kind of um, where we're heading. Not just an estimator. We've got the estimator, and why didn't we have that guy you know, in there a long time ago? Let's go to the next one. Nice. Love it. Uh, Ryan's asked a question about hiring. Uh, are you employer of choice or what techniques have you found uh, really beneficial for, for finding your team members? Yeah, I remember a couple of boot camps ago talking about being um, marketing for team members rather than marketing for clients. And I was like, what? What's this? You know, we've always had marketing about getting getting work, all that sort of stuff. But if you get the right people, that's where you're making the money. Like, So... um. I think being an employer of choice, yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to think so. But like we put a lot of a lot of effort in there. We, um, when we're talking to people coming in, we actually kind of put them through the ringer rather than trying to sell the company. Come and work for us, please. We're like, actually, we're only going to take the best, you know. Um, and um, we have been lucky enough to have uh, guys that work for us that are recommending their mates. And so I think that's where it comes into: Are you being an employer of choice? Well, yeah um because your team your existing team members are uh, um, promoting you perfect uh graden's asked when you started talking to your team about overheads where did you start probably not necessarily overheads as such but but more just the numbers so what's really sort of important they can't really have much of an impact on what the overheads are otherwise it's like well we can get paid or not you know we're going to pay you to turn up and do your job but um yeah, I think it's um, definitely, yeah, just being open about 
the type of work, why it's not a good idea to do certain things. Like with our, with our setup, we had to knock on the head quite a number of years ago working for like doing agency work, like being a subby for others because it's like that's labour only. You're not getting anything out of that. So that we would be going backwards real quick. So and then when they understand that, they're like, okay, well, when they get the call, not even taking it, not even sending it through to me because, well, that's we just know that that's not a good idea. Uh, what type of work is good and profitable work versus what's not a good idea? Um, getting the, the the office leaders to screen calls and and give them an idea of what um, what things could be so that they can um, qualify clients and things like that there's a lot there this has been like drinking from a fire hose adrian just to finish up sort of final question love to know what are your goals for the future um next steps is for us is creating a service division in in the company there's a lot of maintenance that we're not getting to and um we've begun hiring for this already we've got we've got a guy started in our service division yeah so the next thing is to bring on the service manager um and so this is this is all those blank boxes, guys, in the in the org chart that we're talking about. That we um, we're just like it's a mindset thing. It's like, well, you know, we don't even have the system yet or enough technicians to do the service work. But we know talking to people that we need to get that that service manager in there to be able to kick things off. So that's uh, that's exciting. Um, and yeah, junior estimator, we we've touched on that, and then potentially. Um, Next ones would be project manager roles as well. Um, yeah, so there's additional hires, but I guess that's in terms of you know growth for the for the business and where we where we see that. Um, definitely see a lot more, um, you know, a lot more in, in the future. But um, on the on the other side of it is to free up time, and so we've both of us have actually um, been talking about hey, let's take every second Friday off or something like that. So that's something that is actually another mindset it's like well hang on if my guys are busy working and like, how can i bugger off like i don't have a problem taking annual leave like you know annual leave is fine but what if i'm changing the game up and just going we're all actually only work four days now it's like <laughs> that's a that's something for the squads tony talk about that's right yeah yeah we can um, uh, it's push cool having one. him because he's saying the same thing it's like wicked you know we're giving each other permission to to yeah. you know get to a point where we can do that. And that's exciting because I want to spend more time, you know, with kids and go and do some stuff and yeah. See, and this is the, this is the great thing. Why I love, love doing what we do is um, there is always another game, a bigger game, a more expensive game, a game that gives you more, um, more rewards, not just financial, but more importantly, lifestyle wise, purpose wise. Um, it's amazing. And, and to see you go through that process, from you know with all love and respect kind of really struggling when you kicked off to really own your leadership role to now uh you know being a um you know one of the one of the people that the rest of the people in boardroom really look up to i think is amazing and that's a, a massive amount of credit uh to you as well um so super good man massive eh? there was there was so much stuff coming through there see yourself as the ceo use the roadmap to keep from being overwhelmed importance of you know meeting rhythms and what that does for your team the, the importance of getting your team to buy into uh the actual outcomes that they're delivering in their role uh it starts with you as the leader so much awesome mindset stuff in there uh, setting up a good meeting rhythm that came for you a few times. Don't be scared to take on 
the the admin or the person in the office to help you actually uh, get that growth. Um, sharing info with your team and being transparent around the numbers, uh, understanding to grow, you need to hire an extensive range of people. <laughs> there's so much, so much good stuff, man. Um, I could tell from the commentary the whole way. There's so much gold that you delivered. So I love yeah, really what Phil, Phil it, said too. Staff, staff buying is, is correlated to the success of the business, hundred percent. Actually, one observation that I have of you, Adrian, um, is you always dive into the hard questions. Like whenever we get a guest speaker or anything, you'll always be the first one to get in there with uh, anything that's on your mind and you, you're never afraid to ask a question. So that's one thing you didn't say before, but I reckon that's that's huge value and I always see you you diving into getting and the another most thing, Another thing that jumps out at me, and if you're watching, is like Adrian's been part of Boardroom for a long time. Um, and... Uh, not this time because something came up, but every other time Adrian comes to all of the boot camp both days, comes to webinars, comes to meetings, comes to things because that, you know, what keeps you moving forward. And I think that's something that's been, um, you know, huge as well. So that's 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 amazing. We only get out what you put in, right? 100%. I mean, and don't just think that's cliche. Like if you are oh, signed up to Profitable Trading, sweet. Well, are you, are you getting involved or are you just expecting it to happen? Like you have to, just get it, get amongst it, you know. And then only in the boot camps, like if you haven't been, they're just amazing and so cool now that we can be back in person. Yeah. Like they were being great online, but so much better to be able to have those side convos with people that you just don't necessarily get online. So if you can get there, get there. It's going to be awesome. All right, team. Hey, this has been an amazing session. Big love, Adrian. I really appreciate it, mate. It's uh, fantastic being in your world and seeing what you're doing and what you're going to do as well. That's that's exciting as well. Thanks for listening. Now, if you enjoyed the podcast, there's four ways we can help your business. Number one, grab a free copy of my book called The Profitable Tradie, and it's at profitabletradiebook.com forward slash podcast. Two, join my free Facebook group at profitabletradie.com forward slash group. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search Profitable Tradie in the YouTube search bar. Or four, book a free 15-minute phone call to find out about our coaching programs at profitabletradie.com dot com forward slash podcast call or if you can't remember any of that just check out the session notes